beaming from ear to ear, I thanked everyone standing around me. I leaned down to blow out my candles with nothing but a smile on my face. I stood up and looked in the face of my loving husband, Jakeem, who I've shared the last four years of my life with. It all started some years back. I was out clubbing with my friends at a grand opening when a fine-ass brother approached me and asked to dance. After dancing all night, he asked me if he could see me again. I was a little hesitant at first, but we exchanged numbers, went on a few dates, and after a year or so of being exclusive, he proposed. Of course, I said yes. I later found out Jakeem was the owner of the club we were in the night we met. Club Dollar was a lavish two-story establishment. The first floor was where the kitchen, bar, dance floor, and VIP sections were located, and the second floor was where he hosted private parties and events separate from the crowd. That way, business could go on uninterrupted. It just so happens to be where we were tonight, celebrating my 35th birthday. In attendance was also my mom, aunt, uncle, and my three closest friends all gathered around. Growing up in Georgia, I never really clicked with females, so having three best friends who just so happened to be men didn't come as a shock to anyone. I met Mari, Trey, and Sean in grade school, and since then, we've been thick as thieves. We lost touch a bit when we all went off to college, but true friendships always find their way back. Amari and I were both general law attorneys and worked together at the Watson Law Firm owned by his parents. His mother and father, Mr. and Mrs. Watson, were top lawyers who opened their own practice when we were younger. Sean was a police officer, one of the honest good ones, and Trey, a doctor, I mean a top general surgeon. Sean was newly engaged to be married soon to a nice woman named Nikki. Trey married his college sweetheart Nina shortly after grad school, and Amari, well, he's single. He claims he doesn't have time to focus on a relationship right now. Jakeem decided I should have my gathering here at the club so we could have food and fun all in one place, and it turned out to be a good idea. The food was good, the drinks were nice, and the music from downstairs had me moving in my seat. By this point, I wanted to go dance, so I asked Nina if she wanted to join me. After a quick why not, she stood to her feet to follow me to the dance floor. I looked over at Sean's fiance Nikki, to extend the offer as well. She told us she and Sean would join us in a little bit. After a while, my husband and Trey came to join me and Nina on the dance floor. I was sure it was because they noticed how we were getting down without them and how the men were starting to look at us. Trey walked up behind Nina and grabbed her close to him. With all the grinding they were doing, they were going to need a room soon. Up walked my husband as he wrapped me in his arms and whispered in my ear how damn good I looked, causing a huge smile on my face. I had on a cotton candy pink one-shoulder club dress with a mid-thigh slit and some silver pumps that matched my jewelry. Keem and I danced together until I was tired and ready to go. I was no longer built for the clubbing all night. Back in my college days at Savannah State, I was the turn-up queen, but those days were long gone. I went upstairs, gathered the rest of my things, thanked everyone again for coming, said my goodbyes to the individuals that were left, and prepared to head home. Sean, Nikki, Trey, and Nina danced for a bit, but left a little before we did. Once all my family and friends parted from the club, Keem spoke to Brian, one of the managers, and let him know we were heading out. We walked out the club hand in hand to Keem's truck and got right in. He fired up the engine and hopped on the freeway to get us back to our side of town. We pulled up to a stoplight when Jakeem looked over and asked me if I had a good time, which I did. It was good to see my mom out of the house. She hadn't been wanting to come out much since my dad passed away. And like me, Keem was also glad she came. We were sure she enjoyed herself. My mom and dad were young teen parents when they had me, their only child, and I was fine with how that panned out. My mom had one brother and my dad left behind one sister. The day my dad passed away still sits fresh in my mind. He went in for a scheduled surgery and slipped into a coma as a result of a heart attack that occurred during the procedure. It caused some complications and unfortunately, he never woke up. That was about mm, six years ago and my mom hadn't been the same since, understandably. 
My mom is a retired registered nurse and my father was a dealership salesman. After my parents raised me, put me through college and law school, they lived the life they prepared for and dreamed of. When they had nothing to do, they would go away for getaways, staycations, or whatever they thought about doing. I miss my father daily, so I know my mom did too. I hadn't realized I dozed off on the drive back home until Keem tapped me and told me we had arrived. I woke up, took off my seatbelt, and got out of the car to follow Jakeem as he approached and unlocked our front door. We walked in, and I locked the door behind us. I walked into the bathroom, took off my clothes, pulled my hair back, and pinned it up, preparing for a nice shower. But before I got in, I asked Jakeem if he wanted to join me. I walked over to the shower and turned it on as hot as my skin could stand it. I stepped under the rainfall shower head and our standing glass shower and felt so good. Keem joining me scared the shit out of me. I must have gotten so lost in the amazing feeling and forgot I wasn't alone. Keem yelling about how hot the water was had me laughing so hard the tears were forming in my eyes. He hated when I had the water so hot, but I truly forgot for a minute after I asked him to join me. I turned the water temperature down, then poured body wash over my bath net that Keem took from my hand and began washing my body with. Mm, it felt so damn good. Between the warm water beating down on me, my husband washing my body, and the liquor in my system, I was feeling away. I turned around and wrapped my arms around my husband's neck and started kissing him so deep and passionate. Our tongues were at war. Keem picked me up, and I wrapped my legs around his waist, waiting for him to enter me. My husband was six foot two and carried all 250 pounds of meat and muscle. I measured up at five foot seven, 192 pounds, so picking me up was effortless to him. Once he picked me up, he placed me right onto his thick, hard shaft. Kim was delivering some amazing strokes, and I could tell that the liquor in both of us had us on an all-time high. I was pinned against the glass shower door, moaning at the top of my lungs with Kim behind me, his hand around my neck, and my ass tooted up just right. I rolled that wave until we both came. Keem smacked my ass and told me how good the session was as he dried off from our shower. The way my husband handled me sexually was always a plus, but there was just one problem. I wasn't always completely satisfied afterwards. Sometimes after Keem and I would have sex, I would still be aroused and wanting more. There would be times when I would initiate round two, but he wouldn't be ready, so I would have no choice but to hit my lady lockbox and handle my own needs, or just go without the next round. The next morning, I looked over to Keem still sleeping. He looked so peaceful and sexy, I just wanted to fuck him. I lifted the sheet that covered him and released his bulging member. I quietly slipped my head underneath the sheet, kissed the tip softly, then proceeded to slide him into my mouth, sucking him to life. Waking him up, we locked eyes when he asked me in a groggy voice what I was doing. If he really wanted to know, I was getting more aroused by the minute. I loved pleasing my husband. I parted my legs and started twirling my fingers around my pearl while Keem laid his head back and let out a deep moan as he played in my hair. After moments of slurps and strokes, he lifted my head, removing himself from the back of my throat and told me to sit on it instead. I straddled him and rocked his world until his toes curled. I repositioned to reverse cowgirl, leaning down onto my stomach, and I bounced my ass. That always drove Keem crazy. He palmed my ass and slapped it while I continued to ride him. A few minutes later, I felt him throbbing inside of me, and I could feel my walls contracting around him as well. That session was exactly what I needed to start the day. I got out the bed, cleaned myself up, then wiped my husband off with a hot rag. I walked downstairs to the kitchen because after that, I needed something to eat. I decided on Belgian waffles, bacon, and eggs. I made my plate, then put Keems in the microwave to eat once he came down. I was sure he was more than likely getting ready to leave and go check on the club or go see about the shop. 
Kim was in the process of opening a family tattoo shop with his siblings. He was the oldest of two younger brothers and had one older sister. They were all raised by a single mother and had no relationship with their father. Kim's two brothers, Ray and Revere, were dope tattoo artists. They used to be in and out of trouble until they decided to go to school and get certified. Now the two of them, Kim and their sister Kiana, who was my favorite, will be running the shop. Kiana was tasked with managing the books in the front desk until they hired a permanent person while Ray and Revere tattooed and Kim did whatever he planned to do. Just as I thought, he was dressed and ready to leave, but not before he finished his food. And like clockwork, right as he was standing to put his plate in the sink, his phone rang. By the look on his face, I knew it had to be some bad news. He confirmed my suspicion when he told me something was wrong at the shop. He kissed me goodbye and was out the door. I sat at the table and decided to work prep for tomorrow since my caseload lately had been a bit heavier. Right now, I was in the middle of working two major cases, a drug bust and a triple homicide. I felt I had both cases in the bag, but you never know. For now, I'd have to keep digging and make sure I had a solid proof case for both my clients. I was set to go to trial for my murder case in about a month, and I had a pre-trial conference tomorrow for my drug case. As I was looking over the discovery for one case, I noticed that all the officers hadn't been interviewed yet. I made a note to get those requested in the morning. They also needed to provide me with more discovery because it seemed like I was missing a handful of things that I still needed. Growing up, I had no clue what I wanted to be. I went to college and played around until the guys told me I needed to focus before I was still there and they'd be off living their lives. I thought about being a teacher, but I knew I was not fit to teach kids. Hospitals gave me the creeps and I didn't have it in me to be a cop. I finally decided on law because I wanted to give people a fair shake in life. I genuinely enjoyed defending people. Amari always knew he wanted to be a lawyer, so once we graduated and passed the bar, Mr. and Mrs. Watson brought us on as law clerks to get the lay of the land before we started taking cases on our own. So far, I have won most of my cases, and the ones I didn't win, I was okay with the judge's orders because at least they were fair. I looked over at my phone to see Amari calling, so I answered it. After the pleasantries, we got to the point of his call being that he wanted to get my input on something. There was a case he was working on, and he wanted to take a different approach and do a mock trial. He needed to get his client prepared for the cross, but wasn't sure if he even wanted him to take the stand. I could tell in his tone that he was uneasy, hence the call. I told him we could do the mock trial, and at that point, if he felt the client wasn't ready, then we'd go back to the drawing board. He felt that was actually a good idea and sang my praises for helping him out. We went on to talk about how much I enjoyed my party and him spotting me on the dance floor getting down. If I didn't say it before, let me say it again. I had an amazing time. I was really happy my mom got out the house. And then I got to see my aunt and uncle. The food and drinks were good, too. I teased that he should have joined us on the dance floor. I was sure one of them hot girls wanted to dance with him. Mara was so a flirt, so him telling me that they weren't who he wanted to dance with, but I was, was no surprise. I dismissed his attempt at being Amari and told him I'd see him in the morning at the office. Amari and I co-chaired with each other from time to time on cases, but lately we've been on our own. I worked a bit more than I decided to watch some trash TV before Keem got home. If I was right, he wouldn't be home until later, which meant I'd have all day to myself again. Lately, the only time I spent with my husband was when we were in the bed sleeping. On a regular basis, I worked five, sometimes six days a week. I tried not to work more than 12 hours a day, but some cases called for it. And Keem was either at the club making sure nothing was going wrong or working on layouts and operations for the shop. He had never been a lazy man, so you would think I would be used to these hours and us not seeing much of each other. But sometimes it got tiring. The next day, Mrs. Watson greeted me as soon as I walked into the office. I spoke back, then proceeded to talk about my birthday dinner. She and Mr. Watson couldn't make it due to work. I knew all too well how the life of an attorney went. When business called, it called big time. 
The Watsons have been like second parents to me. Growing up, I was always the only girl roughhousing with Trey, Sean, and Amari. Even when they had sleepovers, I was right there at the house playing with them until it was time for bedtime. Respectfully, there was no way any of our parents were letting me sleep in the house with three boys. We were friends, but that was no excuse. Mr. and Mrs. Watson didn't have any daughters, so they said I was like the one they never had. Their other son, Amari's older brother, Amir, was killed by a stray bullet when we were teenagers. I think that's another reason Amari went into law. Almost 20 years later, they never found the shooter. Amari still looked in the case from time to time. Mr. Watson said he should just let it go and be at peace, but he knew Amari wouldn't leave it alone, which that I could understand. I walked into my office and pulled up the witness list for my drug case to request interviews with the officers so they could all provide full statements of what happened. There were multiple officers listed on the witness list, but only one name on the criminal complaint that had been completed, which meant I only had one officer's alleged story. I knew after speaking with the officers, I would find a loophole that would set my client free. My client was part of a drug bus. I was working to prove that he had no idea the drugs were being stashed in the restaurant, nor did he know that they were being distributed. He and two of his friends decided to go into business together. My client put up the largest amount of money, so it was decided that he be the majority owner of the eatery. The other two guys were dealing drugs out of the restaurant, unbeknownst to my client, yet he was being charged as the leader on the drug case that had been under investigation for some time now. My client pled not guilty, and it's my job to prove just that, or he'll receive a 20-year sentence, and I couldn't let that happen. My client only had a few traffic tickets in the past. Other than that, his record was clean. I just couldn't see him going from a business owner to a drug dealer overnight. Not a happily married family man with everything to lose. My other client was a 24-year-old kid who started off on the wrong path but had since turned it all around. Well, at least he was trying to. He pled not guilty to the alleged murders, but unfortunately, he had a pass with the group of gang members that were gunned down. He was tied back to them based on affiliation and possession of the murder weapon, which he claimed was planted. One night, while relaxing at home, my client said his door was kicked in. He was arrested, and while being hauled off, the officers on scene said they found the weapon in question in his apartment. The report stated that they received an anonymous tip about knowing who the killer was. Given the fact there were no fingerprints on the weapon or any other evidence recovered, I was trying to prove it, in fact, was a setup. The only person left to interview was his angry ex-girlfriend. My client told me she was his alibi, but because they got into an argument a few days before he got arrested, she was more than likely going to do whatever to keep him locked up as retaliation for anger. During the PTC for the drug case, the judge granted my motion for continuance until I received the rest of the discovery and completion of the interviews with the officers, which was exactly what I wanted. I walked back into the office from court and saw Amari talking to his parents, so I walked over to see what they were discussing. After greeting everyone, Mr. Watson asked me how my setting went since he hadn't seen me this morning because he was in a hearing of his own. I told him how it went and that I had gotten my continuance just like I wanted. I fixed my work schedule so that I could be home sooner and more available to him like he asked. In return, he went and picked up another project. He was never home, and if he was, what were the odds I wasn't? When was I supposed to speak to or spend time with my husband? He swore up and down that we do see and spend time when he has it, but right now isn't one of those times. Between the club and the groundbreaking of the shop, he was tied up. Don't get me wrong. I knew this is who Kim was when we met. He told me he was a hustler who was about his money. I pinched the bridge of my nose to keep calm because all I wanted was more of his time and to feel loved. Instead, I was getting the opposite. Zero attention and feeling neglected. I deserved to be loved by Kim. I was his wife. 
I did everything to make and keep him happy. Why couldn't I get the same respect in return? Kim telling me not to be mad that I felt like I was doing the most and not getting anything in return when he himself never asked me to do it to begin with set me off. He had the nerve to say that me feeling some type of way was my own fault. I never knew I needed to be asked to do for my husband. I made it a point to tell him that the only time I got from him was when he was home, whenever time that was. And this motherfucker had the nerve to say at least he came home. I looked at my phone to see the ended call. I could not believe him. How could any man be okay with treating his woman like this? If I told him that I was feeling away, shouldn't he be more than willing to make sure I'm good? I went above and beyond to make sure he felt secure and comfortable in this marriage. But the moment I felt away, he tells me it's my own fault for feeling the way that I do. I struggled to understand how I could be my own fault that my husband was making me feel neglected by his actions. And what the fuck did he mean by at least he comes home? Ugh, this shit was getting old. I turned back around and picked my head up after I wiped away the frustrated tears that fell from my eyes to see Mari standing in my doorway. I didn't even give him a chance to speak. Before he could say anything, I told him I was good, picked up my stuff, and waited to follow him out. We walked over to his BMW coupe that I slid right into, put my seatbelt on, and looked out the window because I knew Mari was going to start asking questions any minute. Shockingly enough, the car ride to the restaurant was quiet. Once we arrived, Mari and I got out the car, walked in, and found an empty table to sit at. I didn't even need to look over the menu because I always got the California rose. Silence loomed until Mari broke it, asking if I wanted to talk about what I know he overheard, but I didn't. I was kind of tired of complaining about my marital issues to him, Trey, and Sean. He made it clear that it wasn't complaining and that I was allowed to vocalize and vent to them. We were good friends and had been for years. I got that. But I just didn't like telling them all our problems. Then when everyone was together and had to be around Keem knowing what was going on, it felt awkward. The waiter approached our table so we could place our orders. As soon as she walked away, Mari picked right back up on the combo. I gave in and told him he had a point, then went on to tell him that right now I just wasn't happy. When things were good, they were great, but when they were bad, I just wanted to disappear until it was over. Lately, it had been bad, and I felt like it was only getting worse. I explained how Kim was hardly ever home, didn't call throughout the day, and was always at the club or working on the shop. When he did come home, it would be late and he would go straight to bed. I didn't tell Mari until today that Kim was so caught up with the shop that we were almost late to my party. He was late coming home even after I asked him to be home by a certain time. In true honesty, I wavered from time to time if it was all work or someone else, but I also didn't know. When Kim's a complete ass toward me like he was today, I felt like there was someone else he would rather be making happy instead. But because I hadn't found anything that would prove he's cheating, I could only assume. I would love for Kim to get it together and make me feel comfortable and loved like I do for him so that I didn't have to question things. But it was clear that I was asking for too much. Before we went back to the office for the remainder of the workday, Mari reminded me that I was a beautiful woman with her shit together. And if my marriage wasn't working the way I wanted it to, then I had the choice to do something about it so that I was happy too. I couldn't wait to get home so I could have a much-needed face-to-face conversation with my husband. Back at the office, I worked on some things for a while before realizing it was 5 o'clock and my workday was officially over. I grabbed my things and headed for the elevator. On my way out, I bumped into Amari and one of the receptionists, Janice, as we all walked to the parking lot and retreated to our cars. As soon as I turned my car on, my In My Feelings playlist started, and I turned it up and drove home in my thoughts. I'm too tired for you to tell you the truth I wasted my time on this up the line I can get back and that's all no why Cause you ain't no good as I pulled up to a stoplight, I decided to send Kim a text and ask if he knew when he'd be home for the night. He replied, 
as soon as he's done for the day, a response that pissed me right back off even though it shouldn't have. I tossed my phone to the passenger seat and turned my music up louder, trying to drown out my thoughts and feelings for the moment. My mom used to always tell me, if you don't want to have a broke man, then you need to be okay with a hardworking one. Honestly, I accepted this in the beginning of our relationship, but now it was just getting out of hand, like he was doing it on purpose or something. Kim could have waited a little while longer before he wanted to open the shop so he could focus on us for a bit. Instead, the very moment he had enough money to start the shop, he did. It was like as soon as he got the club up and running, he immediately started on the shop. I've asked for counseling, but he said no one needed to know our business nor tell him what to do in his relationship. Hopefully talking to him tonight helped. I walked into the house, locked the door behind myself, took off my shoes and headed straight to my lady lockbox. Maybe a bath and a quick masturbation session would relieve some stress before I had this talk with Keem. I started my jacuzzi jet to dropped in my brown sugar rose bath bomb I got from Secret Garden Bath and Spa. It had natural dried rose petals, a hint of warm vanilla with soothing salts to heal and relax the body. Then I lit my candles, undressed, and slid right in. The water felt so damn good on my dark chocolate skin. I reached over and grabbed my handheld vibrating wand out of my lady lockbox and turned it on. I parted my legs slightly underneath the water and twirled the wand around my swollen nub, feeling the pulsing sensation. I closed my eyes and thought about the feeling of some good sex because that was what I needed right about now. The thought of riding a long, hard shaft brought me right to my climax in seconds. Trying to catch my breath, I cozied into the tub and relaxed until it got cool. Once the water temperature dropped, I got up to shower off so I could put on some relaxing clothes now that my wind-down time was over. While I was finishing up in the bathroom, I heard the front door open and close, alerting me that Keem was done for the day, as he put it. I stepped into the room and seen him taking off his clothes and shoes by the closet. I was standing there in all my glory, hoping he would see me and pounce on me like a wild animal. Instead, he walked right past me and headed for the shower. No kiss, no greeting, no nothing. When did it get so bad? I thought to walk in the bathroom and ask him what his deal was, but I decided against it. I didn't need to piss him off before we had our talk. I walked to the kitchen instead and thought about what to cook while I waited for him to get out the shower. I decided on smothered burritos, Spanish rice, and blended margaritas, seeing as how I might need one after this conversation. I yelled up the stairs that the food was done. He came down to the kitchen and made his plate. While he was doing so, I decided to break the silence and ask if we could talk. I stared at his back until he gave me a cold shrug, then walked over to the table and started eating. I must have been taking too long to start the conversation because he broke the silence that filled the room and told me to speak since I was the one who asked to talk. I suppressed my smart mouth response enough not to let my anger get the best of me. I took a deep breath and said what was on my mind. I felt as though we needed to fix things before they went too far. I understood why he wasn't home and how important being a businessman was, but I still needed my husband. In the beginning, I was with him every step of the way. Even now, I still was. I just wanted more of his time at this point, or even a call throughout the day would even suffice. His response was simply that of, okay, nothing more which pissed me off. So I asked him if he was at all worried about losing me. And this man with a straight face said he wasn't, and why should he be? then proceeded to get up from the table and walked off before I could even respond. The fact he said he wasn't afraid to lose me hurt my feelings. All the while, I was doing everything to make sure I didn't lose him. I cooked, I cleaned, I fucked, I sucked, I tried not to bitch, nag, or complain. But the whole nine yards, and he didn't even care. I didn't want to do anything to lose my husband, but on the other hand, why should I worry about losing him if he could care less about losing me? I decided to just let it be for the night, eat my food, drink my drink, then go to bed. 
As always, stay peaceful, stay positive, and continue to flourish in everything you do. I'd also love for you to connect with me on social media at Aubrey Monet on Instagram and my Facebook author page. And before you go, share this with a friend.